Finding inspiration for your projects can come from the strangest places. Building on those ideas and implementing it into a game that you want to play is the building block of any great work. This week, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Matt about his game, They Stirred. We go over influences, the importance of playtesting, and how to take a system you enjoy and make it your own. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover projects that you may have missed. So I'm super excited to be doing this introduction for the third time because I've forgot to hit record twice now, basically. Matt, thank you so much for coming onto the show and talking about They Stern with me. Hey, I'm really happy to be here. Um, you know, I'm really happy with basically I'm really happy to talk about the project because uh I'm I can't believe how successful we were on Kickstarter. I was uh, up until when I pushed the go button and like started getting pledges. I figured I wasn't going to get any at all. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that last that that last stretch goal on the campaign, I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is this is a joke for for like my friends and I'll laugh about later. And and we hit it. So I mean, like that that's unbelievable to me. I'm really happy and really excited yeah. about it. It was so much fun to watch that Kickstarter go through too. And my favorite thing actually was during it and right after the messages you were sending out. Oh, there was such a level of excitement, and I love seeing it so much. Oh man, yeah, I I couldn't stop talking. Like, I couldn't stop talking about the Kickstarter like during the whole campaign. Uh, eventually, my wife was like, "You need to shut up about this." Like, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's very supportive of the whole thing. I just want to be clear, but like, I think I got on her nerves towards the end there because I was just like. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I can do crowdfunding again. It was, it was not good for my mental health, I'll tell you that much. Well, before we get too far in there, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, let's see. Uh, I like to think, it's, this is not my job anymore, but I like to think of myself as a software engineer, although I, I actually manage a team of software engineers now. I've been playing role-playing games since I was, oh man, like I think I was like, I had just gotten out of Cub Scouts. I just joined my Boy Scout troop. I was hanging out with okay. some kids from my from my uh, patrol, and they were like, "Hey, have you ever played D and D?" I was like, "No, but I love Lord of the Rings. Let's talk about this." And we played a game, and it was fantastic. And like, I got so sucked into the whole that whole thing. I ended up, I don't know, like I, I have a shelf in this room with every second edition D&D book pretty much ever published. I got so sucked into that, you know, D&D. I, love, I loved D&D. Um, I played a lot of Star Wars D6 back in the day. I don't know if you ever played that oh, one. It was okay. fantastic, though. I've heard about it. Oh, it, it, it's, an, it's an old guy game, but, like, it was, it was pretty good back, <laughs> in the, back in the day. Because, you know, I mean, it was from, it was from the, you know, the, the only Star Wars movies out at the, that were out at the time were, like, the first three and, like, all the amazing fan books and stuff like that that came out in that era. And they were just great. I don't know. We had a different adventure like every week, basically, with all my with with my buddies and you know hanging out in my friend's basement, just playing role playing games and trying to write our own and not being very good at it. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like we I, we were in junior high at the time, right? You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was like ninety five. I mean, so you know, 
role-playing games have actually come... I mean, like, it's amazing to me how much better all role-playing games in general are. Like, second edition D&D, it was great at the time. I loved it so much, but it was kind of a mess um, when you look at it now and you're like... <laughs> Wait, like you know, you look like if you look at like the different abilities related to like charisma, for example, it's like every yeah. everything is different. Like there's like you know, if you have a sixteen, you have like you can have like five henchmen and like you have a plus three reaction bonus, and like nothing's related to anything. Um, so it's kind of it's mm-hmm. been really exciting to me what to watch like all of the new things coming out now because like they're all so well put together and well designed, and like all of the pieces go together really well. Uh, one that I'm really impressed with lately is like Blades in the Dark. That's inc- it's an incredible system. It's really well thought out. There's so much yeah, in there yeah. in that book. It's incredible. It's really great. It's arguably my favorite. People would have been like screaming and throwing themselves against the wall and stuff like like just reacting insanely back in the day. You know, <laughs> to see something like that that well put together. I don't know. It's it's just like a crazy time because like. The, the 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 indie community is so active and they come up with so many great things um yeah it's just amazing and i'm really excited to be part of that now because uh you know i've been playing role-playing games for what like 25 ish years now and uh well more than that really uh and it's just really exciting <laughs> to be able to like you know i grew up playing it i've i i have you know Gosh, my daughter's on. I recently played uh, the My Little Pony game with my daughter. I mean, it's oh, that sounds uh, really good, actually. It it is surprisingly well put together for for a game based on a, a children's show. I, I will say that much. We had one of the writers come onto the show actually when they released their game. I gotta say, you know, I, I gotta say, I you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think she did too. It was it was a lot of fun. I got to I got to bust out some of my. I've watched a lot of it with her, so I can do some of the voices, yeah. uh, passably. Um, so she was real excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so, sweet. so it was really exciting to be able to you know, cause to be able to put together like my own thing and be like you know. Um, cause, cause I don't know, we'd been watching, I, I was watching a lot of cartoons with her at the time and I don't know why, but somehow we got on this, like, let's watch post-apocalyptic kids shows kind of kick. Um, okay. and it, it's surpri- a surprisingly entertaining and, and, and good, um, genre on Netflix. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, um, Kipo and the, uh, Age of the Wonder Beasts is astonishingly good if you haven't seen it. Um. There's all the, the one that really got me going on this idea though was called The Last Kids on Earth and it's it's about like four kids in a post-apocalyptic zombie apocalypse more or less but there's also monsters and uh, trans-dimensional uh, Cthulhu-ish monsters and stuff like that all mixed together and it's kind of funny but it's kind of serious and I was like as we were watching this I'm like man I would like to tell stories in this universe and it'd be really fun it'd be really fun to like get a bunch of people together and like make a story like this and so i so i was like wow that'd be really fun and then i'm like well i remember that all flesh must be eaten was really popular back in the day uh maybe that'd be a good choice i looked at it i'm like "Mm, you know it it was really popular back in the day but i don't think it's been updated in like 15 20 15 or 20 years right like it's yeah. it, it's it shows its age, right? Like I, I wouldn't run a game in D and D second edition. I wouldn't run like a game of Werewolf first edition. You know, I wouldn't run that either. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm like, hmm. Well, that's 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 lame. What else is there out there? I'm like, well, 
I love Dungeon World, maybe Apocalypse World's worth a shot. And I went and I looked at that, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff in this setting that I want to take out. And, like, you know, it, all of those, like, Powered by the Apocalypse games, like, they're very... It's designed to work a specific way. The 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 store the in a lot of ways the fiction is baked into the rule set. Yeah, and like that's a really strong selling point of the game. But also it means if you want to like mod it, it's really hard. Um, it's not like D and D where you just throw some extra different monsters on the table and all of a sudden it's a different kind of story, kind of you know. Um, so it's like wow. But I do love that system because you know it's got that really neat sevens you know 2d6 plus plus you know minus one up to like plus two it's got a really nicely centered kind of probability curve um i like the idea of partial successes like a partial success being really easy to get but like actually achieving your goal with no drawbacks being hard um Mm -hmm. i was like you know i think that's a great system but one thing that i've always run into with powered by the apocalypse is like Either you have, like, because they're always like, oh, the players should never, like, try to, like, trigger a move necessarily, and, like, don't use the name of the move when you discuss when you discuss the outcome of an event and stuff like that, and I'm like, that works great if everybody at the table knows how the, how the game works, I feel like, um, but, like, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty heavily involved in adventures, you know, in D&D Adventures League, um, and, like, my greatest joy over there is just interacting with people who've never played the game before like not recently obviously but like when i was playing at the store like every week you know there'd there'd be like a kid who'd come in and had played like once or twice with his mom because he's like eight and like she she doesn't really want to play but she's going to play because she's interested in what her kid does and like getting both of them to have the same level of enjoyment out of a game and seeing her you know both of them have fun not just not just because they're there with each other but like actually because they're interested in the game it's a really great feeling. I love I love introducing new people to the to role playing as a hobby because, man, it's my favorite hobby. Um, I, I spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about it, and so I, I wanted a game that was uh, that e- is easy to play, but also I wanted a game where, because like I, you know, you if you run a, a game every week, there's days where you show up and you're like, man, I really don't want to run this game today, but I said I was going to do it, and I'm not going to say no because like. <laughs> You know, people people showed up and they're excited. Um, so yeah. I wanted a game that was easy to DM too, um, and like D and D sometimes works for that, and you know other games work really well for that. But like, I feel like the part by Apocalypse kind of games, like where like the players have a lot of agency and they kind of like drive the game pretty well, quite a bit. Those are really great for that because you know as the DM you can eventually you know, or as the GM in those games, like the players are like I want to try this thing out, and then like really all the GM is doing is applying consequences to their actions, and the story kind of drives itself. Um, so I wanted something kind of like that, that worked kind of like Powered by the Apocalypse, but, but it was a little easier to run. Um, a lot of the moves in that game, in, in, in a lot of the Powered by the Apocalypse games are kind of complicated to, to resolve. Yeah, they can be, that's for sure. Um, and, and there's a lot of them often, so I'm like, mm, that that's kind of a drawback too. So it's kind of like, well, what's something I can kind of do that's in the middle of all of that? And so I, and I think the other thing that also kind of is difficult with those sometimes is because because the players have such a high level of agency in those games, making it work in the horror kind of like even the campy horror genre, it just it, it, it's hard because like the players have such a broad spectrum, you know, like when you 
I'm, I'm gonna use like for example like in dungeon world like when you, you uh what is it fiercely assault is that how they or i don't remember exactly what the what the, hack and slash maybe hack and slash thank you i was thinking fiercely assault because that's um legacy if you don't get that that 10 like you you have a lot of choice about what goes wrong and like i feel like that doesn't fit like with like the horror like the the campy kind of zombie movie genre almost right like Mm -hmm. like something's gonna go wrong but if you have too much control over it like it's not like surprising how it goes wrong so it's kind of like well i want something kind of in the middle something where i'm giving them those options but also you know like letting the player pick how it goes wrong but i want to give them a constrained set of options and that was kind of how i set up the rule system for they start i was like i was, i kind of tried to distill everything down to about uh, i think there's nine moves total um in the game and it plays sort of like powered by the apocalypse it's familiar to that actually if you're a big fan of powered by the apocalypse you'll probably say i did it wrong um or, or abused the way the <laughs> system was designed and and I can't argue with that because it's true, but I I also like the way the out the way it worked after I was done with it when when I got it done I'm like, you know what it's a different experience and it plays differently but like it feels it feels like you're in the movie and it's really easy to run too so as an example I gave it to a a, a group to do that wanted to run run their own uh, run a game on a podcast, and the the organizer gave the gave the quick start rule set to the to the games master. And Games Master got sick, couldn't do, the th- couldn't you know, lost his voice, couldn't come on that day. Um, so the 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 lady who was the organi- the community organizer for this this show, was like, well, uh, with like with like half an hour notice too, was like, oh well, I guess I'm gonna run it then. And like 30 minutes into the rules, she came on. I watched the whole thing. I'm good. I'm not gonna lie. At pretty much every call she made she did the exact sort of thing I would have done too. So I was like, wow, this is great. Somebody spent like 30 minutes with the rules and was able to like basically run it the exact way I, I would have run it, which I, I felt means I, I, I got my goal of like, it's easy to run too, which was really what I yes. wanted. I watched that too and it was great. Wasn't it? It was so good. She only had 30 minutes prep. Yeah, she had 30 minutes of prep on that show. It was unbelievable. Like I can't, I can't imagine how... I can't imagine how good it would have been if she had actually time to prep, because um, it was amazing and she didn't. But one of the key mechanics here that I think really makes it feel like you're that that was well illustrated in that, but makes you feel like you're really in a zombie movie is that trouble score. Um, uh, I and have it, a question about that in a little bit. Yeah, it's a really simple mechanic that's kind of I don't even remember. It's kind of a ripoff of a thing I saw in the Angry GM. He has a similar thing that he talks about in one of his many 10,000 word rants, uh, the you know, profanity-laced rants. <laughs> but um, I, I used an idea similar to it in D&D, and I was like, I like what he did, but I think it's too complicated. It, it, it's simple, but it was too complicated to run at the table. You basically collect a bunch of D6s, and every, like, whenever the players did something that he, you know, that, that wastes time or seem, or would make a lot of noise, you roll the D6s. Um, and if any of them's a one, then there's a random encounter. Um, I liked that idea where, like, and, and as time passes, you add more D6s to the pool, and when there's a random encounter, you take them out. Uh, it was a good, me- it's a good mechanic. It works well, but I was like, it's kind of fiddly, and the players have to, like, be like, I don't know, there's a pile of D6s, you know, like, 
I don't know, I was running a, a game, and I think I got up to like 76 before I rolled a 1. At that point, when you're adding another D6 to a pile, people aren't people are losing track of it. They're like, oh, there's a bunch of D6, whatever, it's, it's a little worse now, I guess. I wanted the trouble score to just be a simple numerical value um, that, that, you know, was like, here's how bad things are going to, you know, here's how long it's been since something really bad happened, and get ready for that. Because um, I feel that's, you know, it, it's like the, it's like in Jaws where you don't really see the shark and they like hint that the shark's there for so for so long, and like by the time like you actually see the shark, you're like just like all freaked out. Um, it, it's that kind of mechanic is, is the idea. Like you you see it going up, you see it going up, you know it's going to happen, you don't know when it's going to happen, and then when it does, something bad happens, and and it it works really well for getting people like kind of on edge. Yeah, it builds up attention. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does that, and it works pretty well. Um, and she started at 10 with it, which was, like, way higher than I had ever imagined starting it with at. And I was like, wait a minute, why didn't I ever do that? That worked way better than what I would have done. Because <laughs> uh, it, it, it gave the story kind of like a kick in the butt, basically right at the beginning, right? Because, like, something went wildly wrong, because I think it was, like, at 10, and the guy rolled a th- or it was 8 or something. But, like... Yeah, like the basically the first roll of the session was a three, um, and so he rolled under the trouble score. So like trouble happens, and I think a bunch of a bunch of raiders showed up, or like or potentially raiders showed up, and they didn't they didn't know where what was happening at that point. But you know, kind of kind of the theme of the game is generally that the zombies are only really a backdrop that exposes some of the ways that you know some of the bad ways that people will behave with each other during a a, a disaster. When I saw that, I, was, I, I absolutely went back into the, kick, the quick start guide, which was, I mean, they got an early draft of it. I went back in there, and I'm yeah. like, I had to go through and like kind of edit it and make, it, make sure it worked. But then I was like, you know, I, I think starting a s- trouble score of like six is probably quite reasonable because it gets your story going faster. Uh, exactly. Yeah, so we've been talking a little bit here. But what exactly is they stirred? What's the setting of that? That we haven't touched. Oh on that goodness yet. gracious! You're right. I haven't really said. Um, yeah. So so they stirred is is um, you know it's kind of inspired by a lot of uh, old old school zombie movies. Really, um, it that's definitely it's in its DNA. Um, kind of the the jump scare zombie movies of say like the 80s and 90s, right? Like I don't know, twenty eight days later, uh, anything all between that and anything from George Romero, right? Like anything in between yeah. there. Um, and the idea is that you know it's it's not like in a lot of those movies, like it's the first night where there's undead, right? And like that's an interesting story, but like it doesn't work well as a campaign particularly, right? Unless you're like oh. doing some kind of like. I just feel like that that it wouldn't work well as a campaign, and I really wanted to run a campaign of this. So I was like, well, you know what? Let's just say it's been a while since the zombie apocalypse happened. Um, it's kind of more of like a Walking Dead kind of era, right? Um, to to be honest, the, the real inspiration here was Z Nation, which is uh, which is like yeah. I mean, like I was gonna say, it's like if the Sharknado producers made made the Walking Dead, but um. <laughs> So yeah, so that that's kind of that's kind of the the goal there was to to make a game that fit into that genre because like I like a little bit of goofy with my with my horror. I think I think you know the highs and the lows makes the the, the scary parts better. You know, if it's not always scary, it's when it is scary, it's much scarier, right? Um, yeah. 
kind of like uh, I don't know, like in I don't know, shows I like, like Firefly, where they're like it'll start out serious and then it'll be funny at the end, or it'll start out funny and funny and be serious at the end. Like I like I like that kind of storytelling, and that's kind of what I try to do. So that's that's the idea is to kind of bake all of those things together and make make a game that lets you run run a a set of sessions that are kind of like that in a universe kind of like that. And it's just gen- it's just regular guys out. I mean, pretty regular. They're they're, they're they they do get a little more powerful as as we discovered uh, once you start leveling them up and getting more powers. But um, but that's that's another trope from that kind of genre, right? Like, I, I really need to rewatch Zombieland because or uh, Zombieland because I can't think of any of the any of where the, where they wanted to go. Yeah, like Tallahassee, right? Like he's been out doing stuff for a long time, and like he's really effective at, at pretty much everything. Um, so like that, those kind of characters show up eventually in the game, but like they're always kind of slanted in their own little ways. Um, and, and absolutely, the the my favorite part of the the very first play, te- uh, very first round round of playtests in like the second session, they had found this like zombie, um, the the zombie vaccine, and like in a move that like uh, that just blew my mind as the DM GM, and I had no idea how to react to. Um, what one of my players is is. He's talking and he's he's holding in his he's pantomiming holding basically a can in his hand and like talking about the vaccine that he's got there, uh, and then and like and then he just kind of keeps talking for a while and and this was uh, you know on roll twenty so he's on camera, um, and then like at just one point randomly like pantomimes drinking what he's holding and I'm like hold on did your character actually do that because I'm gonna need to stop you for a second there, um, and and <laughs> that just turned the whole campaign sideways because. I had already written up the player handouts that were also stuffed in the bag where they found it, but they hadn't read them yet. Um, and like the whole thing was about how everybody that had been exposed to the vaccine was had had died, but not come back as a zombie. And they're like, "Well, I guess we kind of succeeded." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, th- there's actually going to be a section in the book where I'm like, "Here, here's an example of." Um, how you would hack the rules when your player does something wildly insane, um, and and this is not hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> That's great. I love that. But yeah, so so you know his his crazy choices in 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 our play in the playtest did pretty much everything from that ended up in the book. Like all of the all of the advancements as you gradually become sort of a zombie, but kind of not. Um, uh, all of that if for for people that that end up going down that path if if they do um show up in the book because I was like you know what it was it was too much fun not to include so like you know I, basically I want everybody to be able to have as much fun as we had with it and it was a ton of fun to play test I'll say that much yeah it sounds like it it sounds like it's a game that's designed to tell a story but also just be a really fun quick time yeah, um, it definitely was. It, that's definitely what it is. Um, and then uh, another thing that I'm really excited to talk about was another uh, another play mode that we kind of ba- the the. It was an idea that I picked up from um, from like one of the legacy uh, spinoffs. Um, I think it was called free. It's called Free from the Wheel, and and they have a system in there for doing large scale battles, and it's kind of weird and free form and. 
there's like basically you end up writing um, stakes like things you stake like you know my general is captured my troops are decimated those kinds of things and you put them all in a hat and you go back and forth between the two people fighting and they draw things out of the hat um, and like if you draw one of your stakes um, then then th that doesn't happen but if you draw your opponent's stake you describe how that those th how how that uh, thing comes to pass like what 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 bad thing happens to their their how their generals captured how their troops are decimated you know those sort how their supply lines are ransacked and I was like that's a really cool system I like it 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 uh, it has some ups it, it you know it's really it it is a different system it's the thing I'm interested in exploring a lot in design um, but it's also kind of boring for the for everybody at the table except these two people. I'm like, how, how could I add that to a game where everybody has that much fun? Um, and so, so the idea came, the, that kind of came out of that was, so uh, was kind of a, a heist system, if you will. So the idea is that the player, the, the characters all have a, a, a foreknowledge of where they're going, uh, what the layout of where they're going is, uh, what kind of dangers they can expect, where they might be, and they've they've prepared for all of this, and they have a plan already when they're going walking in the door, and they know exactly what they're going to do, and the only things that go wrong are because are, are go wrong because their intel's wrong, mostly, you know, like a like a classic heist movie kind of, and um, so for the plate for when we decided to play test this, um, they had been dealing with uh, with Eustace Jones the. Uh, basically florida man uh if every if every story about that if every news story that starts out florida man does something wildly insane like you know fights an alligator with his bare fists or or robs a store with a boa constrictor you know um if all of those were the same person uh and they were in a zombie apocalypse that would be eustace um the characters had interacted with him a bunch of times at this point and the the guy who who was turning slowly turning into a sort of half zombie um, had fixed what what Eustace kept referring to as a Giger counter because uh, you know Eustace he doesn't have a whole lot of book learnings yeah so they had fixed this Geiger counter for him and he, and he had uh, gotten in the habit of going around and radio testing uh, testing out to see if anything was experiencing any radioactivities if you will and he had discovered that uh, the nearby nuclear power plant um, was giving off an alarming amount of radiation. Um, so they knew they knew where they were going. He had he had also somehow um, come up with the plans for the power plant. Um, and so they they had the plan. They had the map of the place. They knew how to scram the reactor. They knew in general what it was going to be like inside. And so like I had just like uh, found some plans for like. A 1950s era reactor in um, in like a college that was like in the basement of a college, you know, like in in their college physics department. Yeah. And I, I found that map and I gave them that map and I'm like, all right, well, how are you going to go in here and scram this reactor? Like, because here's what you're doing. So they were they were breaking into this nuclear power plant full of zombies and trying to shut it down. And and so like beforehand, what they what we what they what I had them do was like. <coughs> Describe the plan and like we wrote the plan out as a bulleted list and then I'm like okay Well each of the bullets in the list is one of your objectives while you're in there So and then I like had I had like five five chits more or less with stars on them And I put them in the hat and I'm like all right So these five when you draw those you accomplish one of the tasks uh, And then it goes back in the pit in, in the pot 
four of them involved or whatever. So I like wrote on each. Then, then we had like four chits that went in the hat, and they're like, each of these means that you either triggered the alarm and made everybody aware that you were here and doing stuff, and that's the first time one of them's drawn, or you get hurt. Uh, and and like in they stirred, there's you know like four levels of hurt. Like you're you're not hurt. You're like cosmetically injured. You're impaired really really badly hurt and then dead um so it being hurt once is pretty bad um so those those all went in the hat and, and those if you draw them they also go back in and then i'm like all right well uh there's there's a couple more you know there's there's a few layers of complexity to this so here here's a couple more that go that go in and then if you guys want uh, and then you guys have to pick some more stakes because you, you need once you need to stake something for every objective and then here's the things you can stake like your character gets really badly hurt like takes two levels of damage or uh you have to expend one of your surpluses which is kind of like as the crew as a crew you've accrued um like i think they they came into this one with like a surplus of ammunition like just an enormous stockpile of ammunition so like well we're gonna we're gonna go in there like you know ready ready to, ready to just Actually, you know, normally we're going to sneak around zombies. In this case, we're going to just go in guns blazing and, and stake our, our surplus of ammo on this on this operation. And then um, the they had to stake also some like some uh, some favors that were owed to them because that's another that's another kind of currency in the game um, uh, that, that plays pretty heavily into a lot of the story building kind of elements. Um, so they, they had to stake some of the favors that they were owed them. And then so like as they're going through, like they draw like you know. The first, the first one is they draw, they drew uh, the star, which is you know you accomplish a goal. So that person who drew the star was then like got to narrate how it happened. So you know I think the first one was that they snuck in through the window into the machine shop uh, nearby. So they you know so he's like oh well you know the window's already broken out so we just kind of like check out to make sure there's no any like you know sharp edges at the bottom and we kind of climb in and we're in the machine shop. Then we drew the next the next thing and I think. I think they got like three or four objectives in and, and we're starting to feel pretty good and then like just an enormous string of bad luck for, as, as they kept drawing all of the consequences one after another basically because I, I think they made it like all all the way into like the room where you can kind of like look down into the cooling into the pool and where the where the where the um fuel rods would have been and they look down in there and you know the, the the edge of the pool is cracked and the water's drained most of the way out which you know is the source of the radiation but also really 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 bad um so uh so then the things just started going really bad at that point and they they triggered the alarm and zombies started coming out of the woodwork and somebody you know uh I think somebody tripped and fell most of the way into the pool, like into the into the now empty pool, and they're like hanging out on the edge, and they had to drag him out. But like, this was great as the GM because I drew, you know, it it was like one person draws, and then you go to the next person to your right, and then you go to the next person to go right, and you go to the next person to the right, and like this was a group where literally everyone playing has GM'd a significant amount of games of multiple systems. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been as much fun. I don't know if, if we weren't all seasoned GMs, but it was a blast because everybody was putting their own twist on how the story was going. And like, sometimes as the GM, you kind of feel bad that you're like being mean to the players when they have a string of bad roles. Like I really sometimes kind of feel bad for them. Um, and, and want to help them out and like 
I wasn't the one putting. I wasn't forcing any of these bad things on them. They they were like willingly narrating how it went wrong, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and then I got ex- described it to my wife, who was in a different round of playtesting, and she got super mad that her round of playtesting finished before we got to play that, uh, or one of those. Oh. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds really fun though. It's super fun. Um, I I'm actually going to be running two games um, of that at Gen Con Live, uh, Gen Con Online. Um, I think all the slots are still open, so so check it out. Um, but Perfect. if you want to be doing that, but I'm definitely running two games of that, and it works. It works surprisingly well on Roll Twenty. Like I thought it was going to be really hard. Um, but they, you can make a, a custom deck and put cards of a deck in, and that's basically how I ended up doing it. As an aside, I actually did uh, make the make a pull request against the Roll Twenty uh, character sheet repo, and uh, so uh, they stirred character sheets are available on Roll Twenty when you create a new game. Uh, it's it's so that that works out that worked out pretty well uh and and those also have been play tested because like i got sick of trying to trying to i got sick of copying and pasting around all the uh, css and html uh because you know it that gets messy eventually so i i I just made the pull request got it done and i'm that was really exciting because i felt i felt pretty cool when i did that i'm like wow i mean i'm a professional programmer but uh by trade but like this is a well-known repository. I'm not usually in, in this kind of fancy uh... <laughs> circumstance. Yeah, yeah. So, Dry River Gaming is a company that was made adjacent to They Stirred. Um, yep. I know that you've been working hard getting it all set up with They Stirred. What are you looking to do with Dry River Gaming down the line? I have a couple. Of... Basically, I compulsively design games when I'm bored. Um... <laughs> So, uh, I, I have, I have, my wife was asking me this the other day, she's like, how many games do you have in development right now? And like, I had to, first of all, I had to stop and think and count, um, which is always a bad sign. Um, and I think the answer was like 10 or 15, like fully playable games that I've like done some amount of playtesting with some of them. So I, I have an enormous amount of stuff I could just, you know, that, that like I want us that I want people playing because I many of them have been a lot of fun. But uh, I think the next I've been I've been thinking about this a lot, and the next thing that I really want to do is some kind of five E compatible product. I finally got Persona Five on like super cheap on my PS4 on a, on a sale, uh, and I've been playing a lot of it, and I'm like. You know, I kind of like this setting. It's kind of weird and goofy, and it fits into like the kind of stories I like to tell because it's weird and goofy. Um, and so, like, that's kind of what I'm working on is some kind of five E product uh, in the kind of like uh, very shonen, like you know, like action movie for bo- young boys kind of genre of anime, um, where regular high school students go on like some kind of you end up in some kind of crazy alternate reality that's kind of like the premise of 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 this next thing that i'm kind of working on although like i say i have a a large number of basically done products that i should (laughs) that like just need like finishing touches and like here's how you know like that that stupid chapter at the beginning of every book that you role-playing book that you always skip where it's like here's what a role-playing game is in case you didn't know which you obviously know because you bought this book right um 
Yeah, they're always there, so. They're, there's always it's always there and like it feels so so vestigial right like it's such a well-established concept i feel like you know even people that like aren't into the genre into the culture know what it is to some extent um yeah so i i, I don't know like i i need to I, I, you know to, to put them into like a finished state i would need to do that and i would need to you know, um, I I cannot draw to save my life, so I would need to hire somebody to make like put together some artwork for it. Um, and I've come to realize that actually publishing a physical book is not like super hard. I, I expected it to be much more difficult than than I than it actually turned out to be. Because you know, like I back a lot of random things on Kickstarters, and I'm and I'm always like messaging the creator. I'm like, I really like the quality of this book. What printer did you use? And then, you know, about 50% of the time they'll tell me. Um, uh, you know, and then I found one that I like that makes really high-quality books that are realistically pretty cheap. Uh, so, you know, I could, I feel like I could set the price point where I really want to, which is, like, cheap enough that that even if you're, like, yeah. like I don't know, D&D books are, like, 50 bucks, right? Like, I feel like that's, like, where most of the books fall into. And I feel like that's a really expensive book, right? Like, Well, we talked about Blades in the Dark earlier, and I think in Canada it's $30. Right. Like, that's a much a much better price point, right? Like, I mean, I, I remember being, you know, like, the, the that nine-year-old nerdy kid, right, who, like, was, try, like, saving up his allowance to buy a book, like, to buy, like whatever $50 worth of nonsense TSRs put together that, that month, right? Um, like, I, I remember that. But, like, that was expensive. And that, that was also taking away from, from my, uh, you know, my my uh, Games Workshop uh, Space Orcs army. Like, that that needed funding, too. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I really want to set a, hit, hit a price point that, that I, I feel is somewhat more democratic of, of like, $25 um, for, for, you know, like, um, uh, a, a legal size, legal pad dimensioned kind of hardcover book that's, like, you know, like, 200, like, around 100, between 100 and 200 pages. Um, I feel like that, that's, you know, you, you can get a lot of value out of that thing, but, like, they're cheap to print. And I, w- I would be happy to put... I really want to put the game in the hands of, like, everybody. So, like, you know, I mean, 50 bucks is a lot of money. Like, I get it. I, I want it to be... And I want there to be easier, cheaper ways to play the game. So uh, one of the things I that, I that I was really happy that I got spurred to do when uh, when I got contacted by um, Weave the Tale was to put together... They're, they're like, do you have a quick start guide? And I was like, no, but I probably should. Uh, <laughs> So it's like, oh, well, I should just, like, edit down the rules so that, like, I can fit it in, like, five or six pages and, uh, you know, print that out as a PDF. And then they were like, and then somebody else on the Kickstarter was like, hey, are you going to have, like, a quick start campaign setting? And I was like, I hadn't planned on it, but, like, that's a great idea. Um, and so I did that, too. I'm like, so I put together, like, you know, because, I mean... As any, I, almost every role player nerd, I imagine, um, I love making characters, but I'm not necessarily the guy that's going to go play the character because I've been suckered into being the game master far too many times, and everybody knows I'll do it now. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I make a lot of characters, but I don't play a lot of characters. So, like, making a quick start campaign guide was like, oh, wow, this is actually really fun. I get to make up a bunch of characters. Um, and then, like, 
kind of weave them together into like a kind of cohesive thing and be like uh i i went out of my way to make it so that all of the, most of them were gender neutral i like do, do you want to play as doc jenkins and like never use a pronoun in the description of the character eustace jones got transplanted into into the quick start campaign because he was just too much fun to role play um and and to write his description was a joy i was thinking well i mean i probably want to put this up on drive through rpg and i was like well do i though because i kind of itch.io has been real real uh real real popular lately and you know they they uh i feel like they're they're um i won't badmouth drive through rpg on air I'm not gonna like. I'm not saying they're bad. I I personally <laughs> no, publish a lot of stuff there, but like I I've been really impressed with the business model of itch.io recently. Um, if because like I don't know if you published stuff on there before, but they're they're like you know you get to pick what your what your margin is on on selling yep. PDFs on here or whatever you're selling and. I actually went and set myself a lower because of that. I actually went and set myself a lower margin than I would have on drive through, um, because I was like, "Wow, that that was so cool of you guys to let me pick." Um, but then I just threw all those through through both both of the quick start guides up there for like a dollar because I'm like, you know what? Why not? Um, I don't care. Um, I, again, I want people paying it, playing it, and and I'm and I, I that's really what it is. And yeah, a, a dollar isn't is is. The amount I'll spend without thinking about it on a microtransaction exactly. is stupid mobile game. So whatever. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I love you. Drive through RPG. Uh, <laughs> don't don't take any of my products down. Uh, <laughs> um, so we're actually starting to run out of time here. We've been going for forty five minutes now. So I got two more questions for you, a little bit shorter. What advice can you give to a designer who has no experience, but they're looking to build their own game? So, one of the things that I would highly recommend is, is um, you know, once you have that first swag of the rules, don't be scared to run it as a game for your friends. Um, you know... It's really it, it's it it is amazingly difficult to run that first game, and like just remember it's good. First of all, they're your friend. You know, they're they're you know they're probably already inclined to like whatever you do, um, and like you know, they're probably excited just to be playing a game, right? Like that's a thing. People get really pumped about playing role playing games, and like the system doesn't have to be good. The story is what this, you know. The, the experiences of playing the game with your with your friends is what it's all about, right? Um, so do it. Like write, you know, write write some real simple rules. Make some really simple character sheets. Play a game with your friends. That that's my first pe- biggest piece of advice. Um, and and it it also leads into my second piece of advice, which is definitely, which is also the same as the first piece, which is definitely don't wait till it's done to play test it. Um, <laughs> You you can you design a better game if you like write down your ideas some really basic ideas and try them out and see where they go. Um, I never would have added like half the really really cool things. Like most of my favorite things in the book in in they stirred were were things that we came up with during a playtest just because something stupid happened like like we were talking about earlier. Um, so so try it out. 
like before you think it's ready it'll probably work well enough it's in your head already right (laughs) (laughs) um and then the other thing that i would say is um like check out kickstarter it's a it's it was it was not that it was not that bad it was not that hard um but like definitely drop a budget um because like some things are going to cost more than you think and like research what it's going to cost if you want to pub if you end up publishing it like you know research it figure out what things cost some things are going to cost more than you think and some of them are going to be less so like think that through and have a plan but like I, I, w- I think I was lucky. I don't know if I, if, if I was lucky or if I did the smart things or a mixture of both, but uh, I, I'm blown away by the, su- the success of the Kickstarter, and I'd encourage other people to, like, try writing your games. Try getting them published. Um, it's super fun. I'll, def- I'll, I'll back you for sure. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, that's apparently all I do now is, is troll Kickstarter and, and back new projects. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm bad for that, too. All right, and the final question of the night is, where can people find out more about you, Dry River Gaming, and they stirred? So I've been posting regular updates on the Kickstarter. Um, of eventually, the goal is to have have um, so the 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 book publisher I have um, or printer rather has a has a program where they publish books to Amazon. It will eventually make its way there once once we're once we're ready to actually go. Um, so you should be able to find it there at some point. Um, probably not. My, my goal is to have all this printed and ready and done everything by December. So that, you know, but, but that's because I, I sandbag dates. Um, really, I want this in people's hands in October so they can play some, some spooky games during Spooktober. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, cause like it's, it's, it's always fun to run some spooky Halloween games right about, right, right, starting out in October. Um, so that's really when I want this game in people's hands, and ho- hopefully I will have it up, have it done by then. Also, you can uh, net, you can look, at, you can go grab the, um, and, and you can go grab the uh, quick start guide on itch right now. Um, it's, it's a dollar, so why not? It it uh, you can also let's see. Also, I'm, if you're in the Twin Cities area, um, I will be wearing the uh, a mask that looks like a gas mask at at um, and running games of they stirred at 2D Con uh, in like two weeks, uh, and then there's then there's a couple games on Gen Con Live also. So uh, lots of there's lots of places to find either you know the rules, uh, and if you have the rules and you want to play it with your friends, but you know uh, we, we are having our own little zombie apocalypse, um, and and you want to play it on uh, Roll Twenty, um, it works really well on Roll Twenty. I, I I've tried it out and it, it was great. <laughs> Right. So as always, audience, that's all going to be down in the description below. Um, Matt, it was an absolute fabulous time having you here. I wrote all these questions and you answered them right as I was going to answer them. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. And that was really interesting for me. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that worked out so well. Um, I had a blast talking about it and it was really fun being here. So thanks for all having right. me. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. Thanks so much. And audience, thanks for listening. Matt and They Stirred are scheduled to launch very soon, so go check them out. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you again to Matt for coming on to the show this week. Hearing about how They Stirred came to be and where Dry River Gaming is heading has been quite a treat. I personally look forward to whatever comes next from them. 
you really should go take a look at this one. It's super cheap, and if you're even remotely a horror fan, it gives you a lot of space to tell different stories. And as always, thank you, listener. We are incredibly close to hitting 400 downloads for the show overall, which is kind of shocking to me, and I'm just absolutely stunned and so incredibly moved for all the support you've given me. Remember, if you like the show and want to help it grow, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or just tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is one of the best ways for Scheduled for Launch to grow. Next week, we are in for a real treat because I have Dan from Paleo Gaming coming on to talk about his game, Omega Horizon. It's a sci-fi, cyberpunk fan's dream, so look forward to that. I hope to see you there. Take care.